Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the Sunday, September 1st episode of Poets and Muses. We chat with poets about their inspirations. I'm your host, Imogen A-Rate. You can follow us on our website at poetsandmuses.com or via SoundCloud, Instagram, or Twitter under Poets and Muses. You can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter either at the bottom of our Poets and Muses website or on the right-hand side of our Poets and Muses SoundCloud page. With me today is Ritu Korean, with whom I will be discussing her poem, I Am the Dizzy Man's Fetish, and my poem, Same Shoes. Before we do that, I am going to go over all the poetry events taking place in the Valley during the week of September 2nd. On Tuesday, September 3rd, from 6 to 8 p.m., Connect and Heal will be hosting its weekly poetry writing workshop at the Chandler Community Center at 125 East Commonwealth Avenue in Chandler. On Wednesday, September 4th, from 7 to 8 p.m., the University of Arizona Poetry Center and the Virginia G. Piper Center will be hosting a poetry reading with Erica L. Sanchez and Sam Sachs at the Polium Auditorium at the Burton Bars Central Library, which is at 1221 North Central Avenue in Phoenix. From 7 to 9 p.m., Writers for Migrant Justice will be hosting a nationwide poetry reading to fundraise for immigrant families together. The Phoenix event is taking place at Punte Human Rights Movement, which is at 1937 West Adams Street in Phoenix. On Thursday, September 5th, from 7 to 8.30 p.m., Sozo Coffee House will be hosting its Open Poetry Night at 1982 North Elma School Road in Chandler. From 7 to 9 p.m., Long Nung Publishing will be hosting its weekly Phoenix Poetry Slam at the Lost Leaf, which is at 914 North 5th Street in Phoenix. Make sure to get there by 6.50 to participate. From 8 to 11 p.m., Quentin Oni will be hosting his weekly open mic at Jobot Coffee and Bar at 333 East Roosevelt Street in Phoenix. If you're a girl between 10 and 18 years old, September 5th is also the last day to submit your entry to the Girls Change the World Spoken Word Poetry Contest. You can find information about that at girlswufoundation.org forward slash poetry dash contest. This is hosted by the Girls Wu Foundation and Arizona Masters of Poetry. Again, you can find the information at girlswufoundation.org forward slash poetry dash contest. On Friday, September 6th, from 6.30 to 9.30 p.m., Rosemary Dombrowski will be hosting her first Friday poetry on Roosevelt Row, which will be taking place on the back porch of Local First Arizona. That's at 407 East Roosevelt Street in Phoenix. On Saturday, September 7th, from 7 to 9.30 p.m., Daughter of Zim will be hosting her first Saturday open mic at the Black Cat Coffee House at 4730 East Indian School Road, Suite 120 in Phoenix. Signing up to get on the mic starts at 7. On Sunday, September 8th, from 6 to 9 p.m., Infused Open Mic will be taking place at the Phoenix Center for the Arts, which is at 1202 North 3rd Street in Phoenix. Signing up to get on the mic starts at 5.30. From 7 to 9 p.m., 
Herozona, and Homebase Poetry will be hosting their Homebase Heroes Poetry open mic at the American Legion Post 65, which is at 1624 East Broadway Road in Phoenix. If you're interested in receiving a monthly newsletter on poetry events taking place all over the state of Arizona, email azpoetryorg at gmail.com. Again, that's azpoetryorg at gmail.com. It is sent out by Christy White from the Arizona State Poetry Society. And now let us turn to our poet guest of the week, Ritu Korean. Hi, Ritu. Hello. Thanks for coming on to Poets and Muses. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Of course. You brought with you today your poem, I Am the Desi Man's Fetish. Mm -hmm. But before we get into that poem, I'd like you to tell us a little bit about yourself. All right. I'm currently a grad student at ASU. Mm -hmm. I'm an international student. I live in Dubai. Mm -hmm. And I just finished my first year. Oh, I'm an English literature major. Oh, yeah. are you doing an MFA? Or no, I'm doing a master's in English Lit. I just kind of write on the side. Okay, that's so cool. That's <laughs> nice, nice. What's your focus? Right now, I'm absorbing a lot of theory material. Okay. It's really interesting because you get to know how society works and mm -hmm. why people feel the way they do and live the way they do. Mm -hmm. And I think I'm very informed because of it. Mm. It's helped me a lot. It's <laughs> interesting. What are you guys reading? I'm curious. Okay, I just finished a theory class where we kind of covered the basics. So mm -hmm. a little bit of Derrida. We had a little bit of Foucault, yeah. which are fundamental texts on discipline and punishment. Mm. <laughs> we did a bunch of good feminist intersectionality texts too, which were pretty awesome. So you're covering the philosophers, basically, right? Kind of, yeah, because when you analyze literature, there's a lot of close reading, but I personally think it super helps to ground it in mm -hmm. theory. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because I think we're at a point in literature where we don't really care about the author's intent. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's more about why were they writing that way mm -hmm. at the time? What yeah. significance did that have? Right. And how does it work today? Mm -hmm. So theory helps a lot for that. Cool. Thank you. Yeah. Do you write poetry often? So this was kind of the first one I've read out in public. Mm -hmm. I've definitely written some. Mm -hmm. I only recently started writing poetry, though, because I was mostly into writing short stories or fiction okay. yeah. or, like, just spoken word, kind of. Right. Yeah. So you, you perform more short stories then, basically. <laughs> <laughs> if you didn't read stuff. Yeah, yeah. I just have, like, more of it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. What made you decide to turn into poetry? I actually did a project last semester. Mm -hmm. I did a Chicanos class, which was awesome. Mm -hmm. I didn't even know what it meant. Right. And I took the class. I was like, oh, my God. Mm -hmm. I wrote, read some Gloria Anzaldúa. It was, like, amazing. Mm -hmm. And kind of spoke to me a lot. So for my final project, I just did a similar thing that she did. Oh, okay. Which is theory and narrative. Mm -hmm. So it's a memoir narrative that kind of forms theory as they go about okay. the culture that they exist in. Right, right. And so I wrote that poem initially for that project. Oh, cool. And then I kind of tweaked it a lot. Okay, yeah. okay. Very nice. So if you don't mind reading that for us, that'd be awesome. For sure. I am the Daisy Man's Fetish. Welcome to Mind Over Matter Services, where you can find the modern Daisy woman of your dreams. 
Just insert coin to activate. An empowered, westernized brown woman for your personal amusement. An immersive experience that gives you a peek into the secrets of the female mind. Hello, how do you do? What would you like to drink? My favorite's tequila, shots and margarita. I'm a party girl, you see, and I just like to be free. You only have 30 more seconds of mind over matter, modern lazy woman. Insert coin to extend your time. You can press cancel at any time. What are you looking for? Me? I just like to have someone smart, thoughtful, cool, fun, but no commitments. They just aren't for me. What with my liberated sexuality? You only have 30 more seconds of mind over matter, modern lazy woman. Insert coin to extend your time. You can press cancel at any time. What does that mean? You see, I'm a bisexual, which means I'm pretty flexible. Make all your three-way dreams come true. Just tell me what I need to do. You only have 30 more seconds of mind over matter, modern daisy woman. Insert coin to extend your time. You can press cancel at any time. Do you like my dyed hair, my skimpy clothes? I like how it makes you look at me, but I also do it to, to fight the system, although... I'm no feminazi. You only have 30 more seconds of, but wait, I have more to say. What's your favorite, smooth or shaved? Why am I here just on display, please? Would you like me to be your slave? I don't want this kind of life. Here, my world, don't look away. Someone help me, I don't want this. It's not enough to be awake. I can't get out. Don't look away, don't look away. We're sorry you couldn't find what you wanted. Come back soon. Thank you. <laughs> That's quite a ride. So tell us, what was her particular poem that inspired you to write this, and what was your story that inspired you to write this? And is it Desi or Daisy or it's Daisy? Daisy, yeah, or like the flower? Is that how kind you pronounce of. it? Yeah, like the S is flatter and the D is flatter. Okay, I don't know. Daisy. I don't Daisy. never know how to explain these things. Daisy, Daisy. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> no, you're good. <laughs> okay, so yeah, what was her poem like, and what inspired you to write this particular approach in this way? Right. Anzaldúa's poetry was not an inspiration for my poems, okay. but but she did have like the memoir narrative, like s- ah, okay. story fiction writing, right, right, or like nonfiction life fiction writing mm-hmm. that worked. That that I definitely drew from. Right. But the poem comes from. My life and appearance kind of changed when I came to America. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, my parents didn't let me dress a certain way, speak mm-hmm. a certain way, watch anything that's a certain way. Mm-hmm. And so, like, as soon as I came to America, I had all this freedom. Mm-hmm. And I kind of had my wardrobe kind of upgraded. Mm-hmm. I dyed my hair. I got an American accent, which uh-huh. was really exciting for my dad, who loves <laughs> it. Um <laughs> His only problem with it is that it's not a British accent, which he prefers. Right, right. <laughs> but, like, after the first couple of years of studying in America, I went home and I went to this party. And a lot of the men there, they responded to very specific things that I said mm-hmm. and then kind of made them mean something else. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't like this. I'm mm-hmm. not here for, you know, like, some kind of show. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is kind of... I, th- I think it's a common story for people who are bisexual, but, like, the moment you say it, they're like, oh, have you had a threesome? And I'm yeah, just like, yeah. I mean... How can you service me? Yeah, and I was like, well, this isn't really about you, but... <laughs> okay. <laughs> that kind of continued to happen 
Mm -hmm. especially when I went home. And Mm -hmm. so I was like, okay, I see. There's a pattern. Yeah, and there's this conception about American women in general. Absolutely. Western women are definitely considered to be loose. And so, Mm -hmm. like, they're the kind of women that you can take advantage of for your purposes. And Mm -hmm. then they have no hard feelings when you don't want anything serious with them. Right. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, that's true, but you were not going to do that for me thanks <laughs> you know right 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 yeah. so it's more a stereotype than Absolutely. anything else yeah <laughs> we know that doesn't really work in any direction yeah basically. so then you took from her the more narrative form mm-hmm. and more prose poem form right so yeah. for my project I wrote about my life as a child mm-hmm. um how I had issues with gender, how I had issues with, with like sexuality. Mm-hmm. Those were kind of my main focuses right. and how those kind of were alienated from mm-hmm. the culture I was living in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was like my main focus that right. I drew from her. Right. Is Dubai one of the countries where homosexuality mm-hmm. is punishable? Um, I mean, in Dubai, they tend to be more pacifist. So if you do something they don't like, mm-hmm. you just get deported. <laughs> Oh, um, that's it. <laughs> yeah, and then it's like kind of the problem for the country you're from. Oh, okay. So, yes, kind of, yes. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but is there anything on the books against homosexuality? I mean, even premarital sex is illegal. Oh, wow. So, okay. yes, homosexuality is illegal. Okay, so there are laws, laws against, it, against for it, for sure. Okay, okay. Yeah, I, I know several countries, and not just the Middle East. Mm-hmm. There are many countries, I think Kenya just voted to criminalize homosexuality, mm-hmm. and it's in keeping with a Victorian British law that mm-hmm. they've had from the colonial days. Yay! <laughs> yeah, some things kind of stay. Yeah. India's not doing too great on that front either. Oh, we yeah. just got Narendra Modi again re-elected yes. a couple How of days ago. Happen? Nobody knows, but we got some issues. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly. Yeah. Although, maybe it's just because, you know, our orange uh, has taken up so much screen time that I haven't paid attention to India's reaction, but I haven't felt like there's been such a backlash. But There it, isn't. I mean, so the problem is that the people who know what's going on politically or relatively in the minor because in India there's no middle class mm. basically mm-hmm. like there's like really rich people right. and they're really poor people right, right. and the education gap is also different because of that yeah and so people are party oriented as opposed to like policy oriented or people oriented okay. they're also religion oriented mm-hmm. and Narendra Modi represents a large Hindu population right which is currently right. really violent so, <laughs> yeah it's not great yeah so you talk about growing up in Dubai, but it seems like you're very in touch with India and its politics as well. Honestly, it's a very late blooming for right. my, my like connection to India because my parents, my dad especially, has his own values, which aren't necessarily, they're not worse, but they're not like great. It's kind of like from a higher position of knowledge. Um, uh, okay. So he like really disparages India for its choices politically and economically. He's just like, doesn't want to talk about it. Uh And so for a while, it was very disconnected. And then I guess when I started college, I was like, Mm -hmm. wow, I like know nothing about India. (laughs) Um, And so I kind of take the trouble to follow it on the news, kind of read more about it, learn how horrifying it is. Even when I went to India, which was twice a year, every year till high school ended, Oh, um, I was just not allowed out because okay. my parents were just really afraid. Yeah, where um, did you visit? 
Oh, I'm from Kerala, so it's oh. right down the south. Yes, yes, yes. I just remember those masks. Yeah. Very pretty, very colorful. And dancing, apparently. Mm-hmm. One of those main things that I know very little, as you can see. It's <laughs> all good. But yeah, yeah. Kerala is relatively doing better politically, mm-hmm. but still pretty unsafe. Mm-hmm. Really? Like sexual assault oh, wow. and violence against especially Muslims. Mm. Rampant. Uh, like, it's not even news, kind of. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, I seldom pick pick it up in international news. And mm-hmm. in order to go international, it has to, it has be, to pretty, be really big. Yeah. yeah. I actually read a story about beef killings because there are some really bad ones going on. Do you know about that? No, what's that? Um, so, it's been going around, especially in the northern states of India, because there are more Hindus. Mm-hmm. They're largely Hindu populated and Hindus in power. And they voted for eating cow meat specifically. So you can have buffalo beef, but mm-hmm. you can't have cow beef right. to make that illegal. Mm-hmm. And what they started to do as soon as it was made illegal was lynch Muslims, lynching full on beaten to death on a bus in their own homes in the back of their shed because they are suspected of eating beef. It's very faulty logic right. and it's just an excuse. Right. My state, in protest, had a beef-eating contest mm-hmm, statewide, okay. which was like, everyone hated it. <laughs> <laughs> like, all of these states are passing this law, and Carol is like, we're going to have a beef-eating contest, because <laughs> screw you. Right. And then they had a flood that was an unexpected, right, and a lot right. of damages, and the government refused to help. They said it was the gods. Oh, of course. Um, it's always the gods. Yeah. And it was just like, crazy, just crazy. Crazy stuff with beef killings. And that was recent? The floods were last year. Okay. The beef killings have been going on for a few years now. It's like I not... i never read that. Right? Yeah. yeah. It's crazy. And like, I know people from Kerala. <laughs> wow. Well, the beef killings aren't specifically Kerala, uh, okay. but... But still, I subscribe to a bunch of things. Of course, you know, Twitter, if you don't click mm-hmm. on it often enough, it will not show you. Yeah. <laughs> That's really sad to hear. Mm-hmm. I thought Modi, part of his danger was just his rhetoric i didn't realize it was already going on i mean it's it's kind of like the trump rhetoric people Mm -hmm. are just emboldened yeah this wasn't really common until modi started coming into power and people Mm -hmm. were like oh this is okay to do now a really interesting project i saw was a photographer took pictures of women in cow masks Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to kind of talk about how cows seem to have more rights than women. Right. <laughs> because they were filing things for the rights of cows, for cow protection. Right, right. But women had no such thing. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, because I think it was also recently, was a few months back, there was some kind of victory for women. Oh, because the Jen temples, I think. Oh, uh, yeah. that was so icky. I, like, tried to talk about it to my tutor, from my like middle school tutor mm-hmm. who is very Hindu mm-hmm. and she was just like what's wrong with these women <laughs> I was like what why do you say that uh-huh, uh-huh. so the reasons do you know about the temple and the logic behind it was it impurity no so like it's got like an impurity logic but it's also got a much sillier logic which mm-hmm. isn't as well known which is it's the Lord Ayyappan's temple and he's mm-hmm. a hunter who loves women Oh. So it's for their safety that they don't want to be at the temple because if they're of a mature age, as in like of menstruating 
image, right, right. they could be susceptible to, to, to his God's charms. charms. And I was like, what? What do they do in I those know. temples is and what I want to know. tutor was like, yeah, that's just religion covering science. Let me tell you the science. And I was like, okay, sure. I mean, I, I want to hear the science. Yeah. The science was if you're on your period, animals could smell you and then kill a lot of people because of you. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's just not how animals work. But okay. <laughs> like, yeah. what? The human animal. Yes. yes. <laughs> you don't have to be menstruating for the human animal. Yeah, the human animal to, doesn't really care whether or not you are menstruating. Very much so. Another <laughs> yeah. problem in India. Wow, I am like really ripping on India. I love India. I just want you to know that. <laughs> yeah, but I think these criticisms are spoken out of love, right? Yeah, ways. like I want it to change. I want to be able to go there and walk outside without having a male cousin near me who could also, by the way, just sexually assault me and I wouldn't be better for it. You know, like, I want to be able to walk those streets without having fears. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. There was, like, a story about a woman who was in her kitchen cooking and someone jumped the wall and killed her. And I was like, why? Why? Why go to that trouble to, like, break into a home, kill someone in their home? That's what I don't want. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of understandable. I think you'd be pretty reasonable there. I I mean, I don't know why you would, you know, I don't know why you wouldn't want to protect yourself. Absolutely. I think it might be surprising for people who hear somebody who grew up in Dubai talk about it that way. Is it more because you study abroad and because of the knowledge level that your parents have or what is it? I mean, or is Dubai just completely misrepresented in the press? Well, so Dubai includes international news and news for their expatriates. Okay. So they have a lot of Indian expats. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. they want to have Indian news oh, okay. in their. So like in their newspapers, they'll have a couple of pages that's just covering India's news. Oh. So like I definitely learned from that for right. quite a while, and then I think when I go to India, and I'm not allowed to wear certain kinds of clothes. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, in Dubai, my parents are pretty restrictive. And then when mm-hmm. I go to India, they're even more oh, restrictive. Wow. Like, okay. don't wear anything that's lower than your... Actually, just wear jeans all the time. Uh-huh. Um, and, like, don't wear anything that shows your shoulders or your upper arms. You know, like, that uh-huh. sort of thing. Uh-huh. So when my parents get stricter, I just started questioning, what is happening? Why is it worse right. here? Right, right. Because, like, I'm living with family. Right. Yeah, and again, I think for, for most people who have never been to Dubai or India or both. Mm-hmm. The stereotype is that Dubai is worse than India, partly because oh, India. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Dubai is, like, incredibly international. Right, right, right. You can right. wear pretty much... Like, you can wear shorts pretty casually yeah. in Dubai. Okay, yeah. okay. I'm glad you're telling us about it because, again, there's a stereotype about the Middle East and mm-hmm. partly also because India is American's friend. So. Yeah. There is a different way of coverage. I feel like there's definitely politically oriented Mm -hmm. news coverage. I'm very interested in America being India's friend Mm -hmm. because all I've seen is problems happening in India with no support Mm. (laughs) or like no intervention. Right, right, right. No communication. I feel like the American friendship, international quote-unquote friendship, is more like you support us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's something to gain for yeah, America. Yeah, yeah, it does feel that way. Yeah. I mean, just looking at what happened in Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> just, yeah. What a mess. Yeah. So. Both of these, I think, 
has been trying to manipulate Trump, which has been really interesting and fun. Um, those two together? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Trump visited India, mm-hmm. and uh, Modi's first act of greeting was just hug him. Mm-hmm. And Trump didn't look happy about it. So it was a really amusing <laughs> picture that came in the news of Modi just kind of hugging him upward because uh-huh. Modi's a lot shorter. So. Okay. And so, like, he's got a lot of enthusiasm in his body language, mm-hmm. and Trump is like, oh, I don't, okay. You know, like, he's kind of, like, taking this hug. Right, right, right. It was really he's not amazing. really a hugger. I don't think he's done hugging abroad too much. Yeah. Well, Movie did it. Yes, yes. In some way, it's very subversive, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I kind of enjoy seeing how international leaders sort of, in their way, sticking it up mm-hmm. to him, even though they're still flattering him, especially from the old country, because people from the old country are kind of used to that very right? yeah. indirect way, <laughs> dealing with people. Really diplomatic. I mean, Trump yeah. isn't hard to be diplomatic, too. He's got to say nice things, yeah. it seems. Yeah, he's pretty simple. <laughs> Unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How do we get onto this? <laughs> Do you feel like, are you going to write more, explore more about this? I mean, because there's a lot of layers to what you were talking mm-hmm. about, right? Because you started off as if you wanted to please. And the setting as well, it, it kind of reminded me of Madonna's video from the 90s. Was it 90s? Or, what's the name of the song when she was wearing this comb bra, but then she was wearing a lot of comb bras. Oh my gosh. I don't know anything about pop culture before, um. like... 2004? Yeah, yeah, but you've been catching up. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> like, my parents just didn't let me. So, like, okay. it was around sixth grade. I was like, oh, I think I just listened to my first English song. Uh-huh. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. I have no idea. Yeah, well, your accent definitely doesn't, the way you act and everything, mm-hmm. it's, it's very hard to kind of remember <laughs> that you grew up elsewhere and it's a different culture and, and that you wouldn't know these pop culture yeah. references. The setting that you put the poem's character in, even though it's kind of autobiographically derived. Mm-hmm. In a sense, it's sort of sci-fi. In another sense, it's very peep show-esque. Yeah. Right? Someone told me it sounded like Black Mirror oh. when, I, when I read it out. Ooh, I which like, I haven't seen. Me either. But yeah. I think I saw like a couple of excerpts where uh-huh, uh-huh. this mom was putting a chip into this child's brain so that was like looking at things it wasn't supposed to. It would just say censored Oh wow! when she looks at it. It was cool. Yeah. Very creepy. Yeah, very creepy. So. Although I'm sure parents would love that. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> so Vending Machine Girl, I think, fits in there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> did you want it to be sci-fi, or did you want it to be more peep show-like? It's <sighs> a difficult question. Or maybe it's both. I don't know. I would say more peep show-like. Because mm-hmm. the Vending Machine part was mostly like how I felt when I would interact with people. Right. Because the whole thing about women being catty towards other women is mm-hmm. such a patriarchally enforced stereotype yeah that yeah. like even when i would visit dubai there was like that sense of quote-unquote cattiness that was mm-hmm. instigated by these boys really? you know because they would pay that kind of different attention to me mm-hmm. and there are these other girls who are like why what's going on and i'm like i don't like this and so there's this whole kind of distance between me and, like, there are, like, three groups, and there's distance between all of them because mm. only one group wants what's happening. Right, right, right. And yeah. the other two groups are, like, I mean, I'm just here, like, why? And they're here, like, why? Right. And so it's always, like, I'm looking through this glass mm. where the distance is just can't be covered. Yeah, yeah. And why would you want to go who's basically trying to get you to pick a fight with your friend? Right, right. 
like it was really weird because it was it was my friends my friends were like oh you think you're hot shit and I'm like actually I want anything except like be here right now and they're like oh okay and then we just left you know like it was a simple solution right but the initial instinct is to question it if you're not the one receiving that attention it can come across as a problem yeah you know yeah definitely and again i like the fact that you mentioned the cattiness between women as something that's sort of patriarchally instigated right because i I think it's so unfair for men and women to say oh women need to be better to each other i'm like who Kills more and more. Right. Who starts wars more? I think, like, right, like, you know, bitchiness kind of rates very low on the yeah. scale here. Like, I think in a situation where women are confused, that's immediately interpreted as mm-hmm. cattiness. Like, if you question, like, it's a rebellion, mm-hmm. which, ha, huh, that's a statement my parents made the other day about my hair. It was great. <laughs> but, like, the moment you question or say, this is weird, right. it's, it's a cattiness. Right. And so, like, it's up to the men who are creating the problem or, like, the vending machine girl, basically, mm-hmm. to kind of fix that, right? Because, like, yeah. if my response to them saying why was, like, what do you mean why? Why not me? That would be, like, kind of going with that cattiness stereotype. Right, right. But, and honestly, if I didn't know them, I would be, like, why are you making this about me? But they were my friends, and I was, like, oh, yeah. I don't actually want to be here, guys. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I, I'm glad that you guys solved it without yeah, cause like each other's eyes out. It was you know? very clearly just because I was in America. There's right. like nothing else that I had green hair and I was studying in America. Right. That right. was it. And the assumption was that, that they that could I, get whatever they could get out of these Exactly. Right? It was crazy. <laughs> that those are the guidelines. <laughs> those are the checklists. Yes. You yes. gotta... That doesn't make them sound very smart. But Not at all. Yeah. That's a shame. <laughs> it's always a turn off for me. Anyway. I agree. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. Stupid goodbye. This is a little bit about being able, if you don't understand what I'm understanding, then, like, you're not attractive to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Like, yeah, there's or, a certain amount of activeness that I demand yeah. from a significant other now, because I'm yeah, like, yeah. I don't want to solve your problems for you. Yeah, exactly. I want you to be able to know what they are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you also want that level of interest, right? Mm-hmm. Rather than, oh, I'm going to put you in this category, and then that saved me time to try yep. and get to know you as a person. American. Yeah. Check. Check. <laughs> I believe, ding, 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 we have a match. Right? <laughs> yeah. uh, that's like yeah. really tender. Yeah, very much so. <laughs> and I also th- found it interesting that towards the end of the poem, she goes back between sort of wanting to please and then... Mm-hmm. Wanting to assert her personality, individuality. Mm-hmm. What made you decide to do the transition? So this kind of, again, just deriving from my personal experience. But I had this experience where I was so angry because it was with someone who had in the past been involved with a friend. Mm-hmm. And this friend was with me. And we were on a hiking trip. Mm-hmm. And they were really flirty with me. And I was okay. like, I'm not about to get into this kind of drama. Like... You can stop. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I kind of tried to push back and be like, actually, I'm nothing like this. Mm-hmm. It was kind of a shutdown. Like, you could mm-hmm. kind of see the interest in his eyes just glaze over. Uh-huh, and then uh-huh. you just kind of left the right. conversation. Right, right. There wasn't a point where it was like you could explain it right. and correct them. Right. Because it's kind of up to them to change the way they look at me. Right. Or, or like anyone. Right. I wanted that to be in the poem because ultimately I can bang on the glass as long as I want. 
Mm-hmm. But they can just stop putting in a coin. Right, right. Yeah, I feel like in the poem, in the story, the setup is that there is almost a dependency mm-hmm. on the view of this client, yeah. and that you don't really have anywhere to go, mm-hmm. and that your livelihood depends on it. Yep. Right. So it's it's a very sad situation. Yeah, it's a very like manic pixie dream girl situation. <laughs> Although that that term is like a little problematic. Yeah. But uh. It's definitely what it is. It's mm-hmm. just like someone whose existence completely depends on your donations. Yeah. You know, like yeah, right. you're interesting because this person is putting that interest in you. Yeah. Which yeah. Is, it's almost like she disappears if he's not there to look at yep. her, right? Which is so sad. And and, and For him. For <laughs> I mean, in real life, yes, for him, but in this story world, yeah. it's so sad for her. Yeah. You know? I initially wrote this. To end with like me like breaking out. Ooh. It didn't work. I wasn't <laughs> happy with it. Because right, I was right. like, if I could break up, then I wouldn't have so many problems. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, because then why not just do it at the beginning? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, why right, do right. I have to entertain for like six stances? Yeah, exactly. Or verses. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I like that you thought about that. I feel like you're much more considerate than a lot of story <laughs> or movie script writers. That's true. Not hard. We're talking about Game of Thrones. Thank you. I was just gonna ask you if you watched that. (laughs) I did. I kind of hate watched the whole last season. Did you? Yeah. I saw it. I was totally disappointed. The ends weren't okay. Wait, is it okay for spoilers? Yeah. This is not gonna be on until September. Okay. If they haven't seen it by then, it's on the asking. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) But like, I fully expected Danny to not get the throne Mm -hmm. to die, and I was just waiting for that. She was one of my favorite characters right, from the get-go. Right, right, right. And then I kind of watched her kind of do some problematic stuff. Right, right, And I right. was like, you know, they're setting her up to die. Yeah. And I was yeah, okay yeah. with it. Like, I was like, this is going to happen. She kind of paved her path to it. Yeah. And I'm going to find my peace with it. Because, you know what? She cannot own these people of color. Like, that's right, ridiculous. Right, right, right. And then, the way they did it made me so angry. A lot of people, when I'm saying that I'm angry with it, are like, oh, just because the character you want on the throne. And I was like, no. First of all, no. My problem is that women in power continue to be portrayed negatively. Men continue to be the best candidate, which Mm -hmm. Varys says at one point that Jon Snow would be just better for the people to like because he's a man. And I was like... What? (laughs) Yeah, he actually said that there was a lot of rationalization as they kept pushing to that conclusion, right? And also, all of these times that Daenerys, that Sansa, that younger sister, Arya, Arya, all of these instances where they save everybody, the next scene is like, oh, we forgot. Yeah. It's like, yeah, and that's it. It was a plot line. That's and it. Jon Snow, I want to say, one of the main criticisms of Danny's character was that she was senselessly killing people. Uh-huh. Jon's also killed people senselessly. Yeah, Like, he got first them. season, he beheads random people because Ned Stark told him to. <laughs> okay, calm down, everyone. Like, yeah, yeah. I feel like all throughout the episodes, his saving grace, or the ones that quote-unquote makes him a better ruler, has been that he's indecisive about... Or, yeah, he's like, she's my queen. 
I don't want the throne. And you can just mash those two lines, and that's <laughs> Jon Snow's whole character in season eight. <laughs> like, he doesn't really say anything else. Yeah. It's just it, like, she's my queen, and he, I don't want the throne. <laughs> yeah. And the thing is, he has all this influence on her. Why can't they just talk about these things? And through, she's right? okay with being with him. Which, by the way, I'm okay with, because that shows all about incest. That's, like, part <laughs> yeah. of it. I can't yeah. be mad. Yeah. You're like, this is incest porn. Yeah, basically. like, Danny's a knew- product of incest. The yeah. Targaryens bred yeah. through incest. She's yeah. only doing what they did. Yeah. And again, it's this incongruency between how women are being punished for their mistakes or for their bad decisions versus how men are being punished mm-hmm. or lack thereof. Yep. I mean, yeah. Jon Snow got so many of his soldiers killed because he kept going into battles that also, he should not have gone into. What's worth noting is in like the battle with the White Walkers, which lasted only one episode and was tediously long, by the way, like <laughs> even then. Yeah. Danny might not have military knowledge. I have to give credit to my partner. He's the one who pointed this out. He was like, haven't they played Age of Empire? <laughs> and so like, who puts the cavalry first? Wait, that's the one where people build, right? What do you mean? Age of Empires. Yeah, yeah, but they have, like, a lot of army strategy involved. And so, like, the cavalry, the Dothraki just went head first into the White Walkers, and then all of them seemed to have died. Right, yeah. And it was like, what is this gross massacre of people of color for the sake of drama? Like, they were trying to dramatize how dangerous these White Walkers are, but they, like, sacrificed the Dothraki and the Unsullied for it. Mm-hmm. And then the rest of like the hour and 20 minutes they had of that one episode was a lot of white characters being hacked and bitten over and over and not, not dying. dying. Yes, yes. There is a lot of racial hierarchy Absolutely. In, in that aspect. The Dothraki was never humanized. The Dothraki didn't even come with families. It was only the men. The yeah. men came on horses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, where are the women and the children? What are they doing? Yeah, there was no feeling. There were no women and children, as yeah. you said. There was no humanizing of any of them. And also, the dragons... <laughs> I'm so angry about how they made the dragon behave when Danny died. <laughs> he didn't behave that way for the death of his siblings, who right. he basically lived his whole life with. Right, right, right. And there was like a weirdly dog moment. Like the dragon was a dog, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. she's just like, wake up, mom. And everyone's like breaking inside. I mean, I did too. I was like, oh my God, I'm dying. This this death is like the worst death ever. Yeah, but yeah. this dragon's doing it for me. <laughs> but then afterwards, I'm like, you know, they just want this big, powerful creature mourning the death of a human. Yeah. Like, it's very anthropocentric. Absolutely. Yes, it's catering to like the importance of... Of us. Right, right, right. Yeah. And I feel like Daenerys also mourned her translator, Miss Sunday, more than she mourned her, her dragon, absolutely. even though. I mean, you could. Children. There's a lot of things that just made no freaking yep. sense, you know? Also, when did Danny become like a World War One pilot? Like, where did that, like, swerving skills come from? There's no explanation for, like, yeah, yeah. 90% of season 8. And I'm just here, like, okay, I can't believe any of this anymore. Yeah. Well, they've been off book, what, since the end of season 6 or something like I that? I can't remember. I've never read the books. I read halfway, oh. and it's okay. I don't know. <laughs> it's, like, really long. Uh, really hard to read. Oh. And I like to read. Yeah. Just disclaimer. Wow. I like reading. Yeah. That's- <laughs>
<laughs> Good. I'm glad I haven't met them. Well, not that I have time anyway. So, <laughs> yeah, all of it is just really disappointing. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, you're setting her up to die. Meanwhile, John could have killed all of his, so many of his men. That that big Battle of the Bastards one yeah. where he just lost like thousands Everyone. upon thousands of men yeah. in that pile. It's like self-genocidal kind of action. Yeah. And then Sansa swooped in with the Vale soldiers again, <laughs> and then and then that's it. And then she still supports him. Getting, yeah, give me a break. Uh, it was a really funny because it felt like Danny's character, the way it was written, was mm-hmm. pushing against the writers. Right, right. Like when they wrote her, everything she predicted came true. Mm. She was anything but mad. Right, like mm-hmm. she's like, if you tell your siblings. Sansa will tell Tyrion, Tyrion will tell Varys, and Varys will overthrow me. What happened? Right. And that happened. Also, it kind of goes back to what you were saying about this patriarchally enforced yeah. cattiness between women. Right? There's, like, like, no reason for them to hate each other. Right? Why do they hate each other? I don't Just because of loyalty towards this bloodline, loyalty that made no, no sense. sense. Because Daenerys saved John. Yeah. So Daenerys he, saved Winterfell, let's be real. Yeah, yeah. I mean, first John, which gave her no reason, Sansa, no reason to hate her. And then she saved Winterfell. And Sansa is, you would have thought, you know, her growing up, she kind of matured yeah, a bit, right? So it doesn't I think make that any sense. they were like trying to make her this bratty girl that she was in season one. Like they were like, oh, but Sansa's still the same. And I'm like, no, no. you kind of raped her to change that. Right. Which also, by the way, they just explicitly said that she's no longer a little bird because yeah. of everything that happened to her. Yeah, and, and then was she like, was all like, stop. it's okay, because if that didn't happen to me, I wouldn't be the person I am. Yeah. So basically mm-hmm. just excusing all that scene. Basically, it's the writer's it cop-out. <laughs> yeah, they're wanting to, using the actress to wash themselves clean yeah. of this horrible thing that they decided to do, which is mm-hmm. write a fucking rape scene. What's an awful rape scene, which yeah. focuses on how hard it is to watch someone be raped and not how hard it is to be raped. Yeah. Do you remember the videography? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It zooms in on Theon's face while he watches it happen. Yeah. It yeah. was incredibly insensitive. I was very angry after that episode. Yeah, it was all about, oh, what happened to the guys? Yeah. But this is the battle cry. So even current battle, you know, they'll come and rape our women and kill our children. And that's why we have to save. And that's why we have to get into the military and whatnot. The same old battle cries as if men are supposed to be born just to be killed on the battle. Another thing worth noting, especially with the American military, which I think I just read last week, which is about a list that turned up in a naval fleet. That was a rape list of um, female soldiers. Yeah. Well, like, within their own... Well, there is the Air Force, the quote-unquote smash-or-not list that they had. It's the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. the same thing. And uh, so there's definitely that not wanting women to be part of the fighting force, internally enforced mm-hmm. culture of using rape as a method for expelling them. There's that. There's using rape as a weapon of war, mm-hmm. of course. Of course. <laughs> and again, it's sort of like it's meant to break the men. Mm-hmm. Again, it's not about the women. It's meant to break the men. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's like, women, done, done with you. That's it. Yeah. Just let me go away. It's so 
horrifying yeah. because no matter what, it's always about the men. Mm-hmm. And that's interesting because I actually wrote a piece and I sent this to a friend who's doing a zine on menstruation for non-binary and trans people. Mm-hmm. And so I wrote a piece for that, which was about, I kind of grew up non-binary. Mm-hmm. And then when once I got my period, I became like female. <laughs> and I was like, wait, what? <laughs> you know, because no one gave me an update. Yeah. You know, yeah. like I was just hanging out. <laughs> Playing a lot of field hockey mm-hmm. and had a lot of friends who were guys because my parents raised me non-binary, which meant that I didn't have anything that was like, I just want to sit and talk with girls because that's what girls do. Mm-hmm. I never had that. I was like, oh, I want to go play. And so I would just go play. Mm-hmm. And I had a lot of female classmates who wouldn't do that because mm-hmm. they were like busy talking about Barbie movies. Kind of. <laughs> like, and this is very much like less than middle school or middle school. Mm-hmm. And then I got my period and they were like, okay, so you need to stop playing with your male cousins as much. You need to not go to your male friends' houses anymore. And I was mm-hmm. like, but why? Right. That's an interesting thing you said because I kind of used that line where I was like, my body had become more fragile, but at the same time so strong that it could break men. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, yeah. This <laughs> idea that somehow women who are in their fertile periods is weaponized. Mm-hmm. And then still the excuses. We need to protect you. We need to put mm-hmm. you in a glass cage. Yep. And it's, it's frustrating. And then <laughs> Sansa was used basically as the blame for why John had to do what he did. Right. Which, She's a plot point. Yeah. Most of the characters that are not white men seem to be plot points anyway. Yeah, yeah. And, like, why would she do that? Mm-hmm. That makes sense. None of these things make yeah. sense. At the end of the day, it's like, blame the woman. Right. And yeah. then I, like, had this conversation with a friend, and their defense was, what about Arya and, like, Brienne of Tarth, for example? And I was like, you know, those are, like, exceptionalized women that yeah. are, like, women who are better than other women, but only because they conform to masculine ideals. Yeah, you know, and like, also, oh, yeah, they just happen to not want the throne. They're very ambitious, but yeah. not when it comes to the throne. Yeah. yeah, they didn't care at all that the men who supposedly love them for who they are suddenly left to go back to the people who are having terribly unhealthy relationships yeah. with or that. It's just, like, these are two characters. And then, again, their feats have been totally ignored. Yeah. Arya um, just saved. Well, Arya is interesting because she had, again, to use a term that my partner used, incredible plot armor. Because mm-hmm. when she was in Westeros while Danny was burning down everything, mm-hmm. she got hit by like a thousand things. I know, right? And she was just fine. Yeah. <laughs> she was like, yeah. I went to kill Cersei. Oops. <laughs> but I'm alive. Yeah, but look, this yeah. random person that I saved because she saved me died horrifically. Yeah. Aren't you sad for me? And I'm like, people are in plot points. Like, I stop know. doing that. So crazy. And what's up with that horse? Seriously. Oh my god. I saw this meme that was like, Arya's Uber has arrived. <laughs> I was like, yes, that's exactly what it is. I know, they should have just made it a unicorn, right? Yeah, right. It, it was basically it was a, a unicorn. unicorn. <laughs> it might as well have just been a unicorn. Uh, <laughs> it was so implausible. It was so insanely stupid at yeah. some point. It just became Gosh. a video game. Absolutely. <laughs> and then Bryn took the crown after all that shit about how he has to remain neutral and uninvolved because he's recording everyone's lives in history. And he's like, well, I guess Westeros doesn't count. 
Yeah, yeah. Excuse me? <laughs> yeah, I was meant to be here. Yep. You were all meant to Why'd be Why do you think I came all this way? Iconically awful line. Yes, yeah. <laughs> it kind of just made you do a double take, kind of just like, oh, he's a plotter all along. Yeah. You should have just made him the Ice King. Right. That was a good fan theory. <laughs> yeah, right? That would have been good. Also, he had all of this connection to the Night King, which he never did. Mm-hmm. Like, that was the hype behind Bran becoming the Three-Eyed Raven, was that yeah. he would be able to see mm-hmm. everything and provide crucial information, yeah. which everyone thought that Jon Snow's real identity would be the crucial information, but right. that didn't end up mattering. Yeah. yeah. Just awful plot lines. Just what yeah. were the writers doing? I don't know. I don't, do not know. Interestingly, yeah. Sophie Turner was very upset about the criticism. She was like, you're oh. insulting everyone who worked on the show. And we were like, no, just the writers. <laughs> like, yeah, I'll be the writers because, you know, you're hired to act out whatever they're saying. Yeah, so, definitely yeah. the writers. Except the producers, which is terrible, terrible. But speaking of, you know, like looking at women and how women look at themselves and mm-hmm. how men look at women. Yeah, like, that's very reflective of your poem. Yeah, <laughs> yes, exactly. And that's why I chose it because of that. Because originally I was thinking, do I go with the sci-fi point? Because mm-hmm. I was like, is this sci-fi or not? <laughs> like, so that's why I decided to pick my poem, which is called Same Shoes. So mm-hmm. I'll read that now. Talk with women and we will recount our untold odysseys. We'd bray into your hair, flowers of our youth, and wash you in the sacred tears of pains we hide for fear they'd be brushed aside. We'd shout, yes, in deafening silence, sounds pitched to protect all the others. For our own, we'd be awash in freezing disappointment and draped in guilt of could've, should've acted better. Talk of women, and we're Delilah's with shears tucked into the belt. We're Salome's seductive only to veil your decapitation. And who can forgive the infamous Eve, wanting education only to doom mankind into the sinful misery of knowledge? With or of, neither offers a true satisfaction, whether we peer at our reflection or depend on the eyes of others, the blind spot remains. Like the image in funhouse mirrors, now shrinking, now growing, according to our changing perception. Yet this reflection forgets that we've never been alone in this hole of wavy looking glass, that everyone has been standing beside us, all bopping and weaving to find the appropriate image. Great. So I have a question right off the bat, which is what's with the title? Oh, how does it fit in? I feel like there's a lot of this idea, men are from Mars, women are from Venus, so different that we're not, never mind the same species, we're not even from the same planet, so we can't possibly be related, we can't possibly understand each other. You know, this this idea of separation is so strong that it kind of precludes even the attempt at understanding, whereas I feel like we actually have a lot in common, Mm -hmm. and the manifested physical differences are much smaller than people realize. Mm -hmm. I've talked about it in other settings where I'm saying, yes, men and women are different, but so is one man to another man, Mm -hmm. and one woman to another woman. We're not all pressed from the same mold, or Mm -hmm. or even just a few mold, you know? (laughs) We're very different. Mm -hmm. 
So for people to just so readily, without truly thinking about it, to just say, "Oh, you're a woman, therefore we can't possibly have anything in common," it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I recently read a book. That is, I think, turn of the century, nineteenth century,、mm. or like nineteenth to twentieth,、mm. and they kind of say the feminine race, which is interesting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Again, this distancing, yeah, this we can't possibly relate to you kind of thing.、Mm-hmm. Let's not even attempt it, and it, it's just insane.、Yeah. Um, I'm glad you kind of mentioned the women's period、mm-hmm. before because I find that women are shamed into not talking or talking hushly、uh-huh. about their periods. As if this is some horrible thing that they should be hiding, and then of course different cultures has ways of hiding women, again for fear of animals or whatever <laughs> excuse it is、yeah. that she should be going into a period hut or whatever. And so we kind of protect the straight men,、mm-hmm. though they want to have sex with us. But they don't want to understand that it's entirely reproductive. Yeah, that's the whole concept of like futurity of men, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, we need men to sustain ourselves. <laughs> what do we? What will we do? Yeah, without men, oh my god, <laughs> life would be so hard. Life is not worth living. Honestly, though, I do need people to open my jars. I'm, like, my arm strength is really poor. Fine, Brienne. Brienne of Tarth. Brienne of Tarth can now open all my jars. Well, she's not busy anymore.、So. That's true. Yeah, she's yeah. got a life now. Yeah, there's time. There's time. <laughs> all right. One thing I super loved about your poem、Thank、is、you. there are really clear delineations between with women and of women、mm-hmm. in terms of how they're spoken of.、Mm-hmm. So, like with women is more like cultural, mythological passings, and、mm-hmm. then of women are like very white. Evangelical Christianity, patriarchy <laughs> language. Yeah, yeah, like you had a lot of biblical references, and the、yeah. previous one, you had a lot of like braiding flowers into your hair, yeah, yeah. telling stories, and all of those are like really cultural spoken word.、Mm-hmm, you know,、mm-hmm, like、mm-hmm. learning experiences. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and like the other one's really stagnant. <laughs> Yeah, it's weird because I didn't start out writing this poem with the intention of just saying there's a lot of stereotyping、mm-hmm. in both sections.、Um, one is self stereotyping, and one is other stereotyping.、Mm-hmm. In the middle of writing out the first section,、mm-hmm. I thought, no, no, you're just putting yourself in the best light possible. <laughs> this is what women would say about ourselves, but this is not all women, certainly. That's true. Yeah, and and women come in all kinds of gradations and,、mm-hmm. and characters. And I mean, I think that comes through in the first verse or stanza. What do you call it? Yeah, I don't know. Stanza. First section. First section. Because <laughs> like our untold odysseys, the pains we hide for fear they'd be brushed aside. Those can be negative or positive.、Mm-hmm, like、mm-hmm. it could be your mom telling you to dress modestly because、mm-hmm. she knows what can happen if you don't. Right. Or it can be. I don't know. She telling you this is really weird. My mom totally told me this to have a needle in your pocket、uh-huh. so you can like prick people if、right. they touch you inappropriately. Right. Like right. there are two kinds of right, which is sort of like insanely impossible, right? It's like wait, wait, don't leave. <laughs> Let me take out my needle and prick you.、It's- well, so she had it because they would stay in a crowded bus、mm-hmm. and then they would accidentally cup you a little right, bit. Right. Right. And so she'd cross her hands and have a needle in one. Oh, so she always so she'd have she it in a knuckle. Ready, ready. Yeah. yeah, yeah so yeah. like, if they、okay. reach down, she just jab. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So like, okay, so that makes sense. Right. Yes, yes, so、absolutely. like, there's one way which is restrictive and policing women further,、mm-hmm. and then there's another which is more empowering, right? And yeah, like, yeah. I think they both come through when you say that.
Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. I wanted to make it so that it sounds more like stereotyping, and that I know that some women will not relate to that at all. And Interesting. That that's sort of the idea, but then some women will see themselves, mm-hmm. and I think women will see themselves in all three stanzas, even though they're supposed to be on different sides. You yeah. Know? But there are certainly women who think of other women as being too feminine. Absolutely, too seductive. Yeah, yeah. Using sex as a weapon? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) It's too much for me. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Stop that. Yeah. (laughs) I just wanted to say that. Like, you know, it's not just us. Mm -hmm. Because men are also both living down and living up to stereotypes. Mm -hmm. All the time. Yeah, they're, they're just all constructs, right? Like, yeah. you're just made to think that that's how you are. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. I just thought of this, but when you were saying men are from Mars and women are from Venus, I was like, wait, is that planets? Or is that, like, Roman mythology? <laughs> right? Because, like, Mars is the god of war. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Venus is, like, the goddess of beauty, and they had an affair. Well, this is actually a title of a book mm. that somebody wrote, like, a couple of decades wow, ago. Wow, I'm so mad. That was going to be my book. <laughs> And I imagine it must have come from the mythology as well, Mm -hmm. because, you know, they were named according to the gods anyway, so there definitely has some references to it, whether conscious or subconscious, Mm -hmm. right? Because we're so taught the the Western canon. Yep. Wow, I feel a little dumb that I just thought of that. Like, damn. (laughs) (laughs) this is the thing with these podcasts right we never know where we end up at we just gotta talk it out yeah (laughs) okay i really like the funhouse mirrors why did you use that because like it's not an image that i would think of Mm -hmm. but then when it came to mind i was like oh my god totally yeah. You know, because I went to the Phoenix Art Museum mm-hmm. a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Had some cultural passes. So that was great. And they had this, like... It's free on Wednesdays. And... Yeah, so I thought it was free on Tuesdays, and I went there. Uh-huh. I live in Tempe. Right. So I kind of made a trip for this. Right, and I was right, like, well, right. I want to go back and come back tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to go to the library and see yeah, if they have yeah. passes. Oh, cool. Yeah, nice. ASU Library has a lot of cultural passes. Nice, which nice. is, like, libraries, museums, Japanese friendship garden... Botanical garden. That's such a cool barn. Yeah. yeah. So you can go there, and if you get the pass, you can go there with someone, so you get plus one free. Oh, nice. So it's pretty nice. exciting. Call me. For Call sure. Me. <laughs> <laughs> and so I went there, and they had, like, a an exhibit that was kind of, like, with the mirrors, but what mm. they do is they had, like, hanging lights. Oh, yeah, the Japanese. Yeah, it was, like, Japanese? something yes. forest. Yes, yes. She done several of those yeah it's super interesting because it's entirely dark yeah yeah, um and you can only see those lights reflected so it actually looks like an infinitely larger room yeah that you don't know where it ends but what happens is you just keep walking into mirrors over and over again you're like oh my (laughs) god i want to die yeah Um, don't run don't run (laughs) yeah um and so like when it's dark i guess you don't see the people that that are standing right next to you right, looking right. at their reflections right because right? you're busy like bumping into the mirror over yeah and over. yeah and also being 
just totally awed by the exhibit because it's sort of like you're standing in space. Yeah, like you can't even see the floor. Yeah, it's it's awesome. I really love that. <laughs> I've seen another one of her exhibits as mm-hmm. well when I visited LA. Yeah. And again, it's just really amazing. Not enough time, man. Because they time you. It's so... It's Wait, so, really? Yeah. Why do they time you? It's so famous. It's so popular. Oh, man. Yeah, no, that basically... <laughs> you should. You should. LA's not that far from here. Let me know where you go. (laughs) And it's really amazing. You kind of forget yourself and see this infinity of reflections. And again, it makes you feel like in the middle of the universe, which you can't do without Mm -hmm. dying. Sucks. Yeah. (laughs) I just want to sample it. (laughs) Yeah, right? With the correct size astronaut suit. Another thing that pisses people off. (laughs) It was during Women's Month, too, that that happened. Damn. Yeah. It sucks. Terrible. Yeah, I kind of wanted to, because I'm talking about just imagery, right? Mm -hmm. How do we see ourselves? It's never a complete picture because Mm -hmm. we only see our perspective. Other people only see from their perspective. Mm -hmm. So, as I said, whether it's a reflection, if it's something that we perceive of ourselves or somebody else's perception of us, it's never a complete picture. And that's what makes it more like a funhouse mirror because it's mm-hmm. never quite exactly. There's maybe a balancing point where you're like, oh, yeah, that's sort of, but you don't really know <laughs> if it is. Because, again, mirrors are not, even today not with reliable. today's technology, yeah, mirrors are not reliable. And also what we see in the mirror, because most people are not perfectly symmetrical. Mm-hmm. In fact, I don't know if there's anyone who's perfectly symmetrical. Yeah. What we see is actually different from what other people see. Absolutely. So, I mean, I would argue that what we see on a day-to-day basis is different. Yeah. Because, like, when I don't work out for a week, I just see myself as super unfit. (laughs) I'll be like, wow, I look really unfit. I need to work out again. (laughs) You know? And then when I work out for, like, one day, I'm like, man, I feel great and I look awesome yeah 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 there's definitely the link between how you feel and how Mm -hmm. you think you look yep and then there are the times where you feel great and then you look in the mirror you're like no this is not at all how you think i look how did that happen that's why i put that image in i don't remember exactly if there was a specific inspiration for it the wavy looking glass makes me think of a female body's curves Oh, yeah. You know, because I was like, yeah, because when you go through the mirror, you just go through distortions of, like, right, upper right, to lower right. body. Right. Yeah. yeah. So it's cool. There's definitely a lot of that. And also because I hate saying the same thing over and over again, so I just didn't want to keep saying, I'm a funhouse mirror. <laughs> so. Yeah. No, I liked it. Thank you. It's working. Thank you. I really like the word bopping. Like, outside of the poem, I just mm-hmm. use bop a lot. It doesn't have one specific meaning for me. Yeah, yeah. I'm always like, yeah, I'm just bopping. Bopping nice. to some music. That's nice. It's, sometimes it's got a lot of motion. Yeah, right. like, bopping sometimes just means walking. Mm-hmm. Like, it just means whatever it needs to be. Right, right, People right, just right. get it. <laughs> Words are cool. Yeah. Words are awesome. Yeah. As poets and writers. Right. You know, without words, where would we be? Yeah. I think there's a really fine line between poetry and fiction. Mm-hmm. Just because I'm like always trying to do both, and I'm like, there's yeah. to some extent when you write, every word has to have a kind of cadence, and you get to yeah. decide that yeah. cadence, and that's yeah. poetry, right? Right. And it's not necessarily always true. I've read prose poems, or even just what other people consider poetry. The way I look at poems is that you can never be sure if it's 
a good poem, mm. but you can always be sure that it's a bad one. <laughs> you know, like poems are always so fluid and open right, to interpretation right, right. that like it really depends on who reads it, in yeah. what circumstance they read it, yeah. and how it like looks on a page and how it sounds out of right, a page. Right, but right. like when it's bad, you know. Like, you read it or you hear it, you're like, oh, that's a bad poem. <laughs> there are definitely ones that I do not relate to at all. I'm just like... I have some pet peeve poets who yeah. are famous. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Okay, I think a lot of people will bash me for saying this on a podcast of poetry, but I don't know if you've heard of Ruby Carr. Yes, I, I super hate Ruby Carr. Really? I oh, think she's an inspiration to a, at least two poet guests that we've had. I'm so sorry for <laughs> the poet guests. I mean, uh-huh. I don't think being inspired by Ruby Carr means you're a bad poet. Right, right, right. right. But I read her poems, and they're like four lines or like six oh, lines. Oh, and I then I'm like... <sighs> They're like, you know those like Pinterest things that you hang on the top of your bed that says, you are enough. <laughs> That's all of Rupi Kaur's poetry. So you feel like she's more like an inspiration writer. Yes. Okay. she. I don't like, her poetry seems, I don't know, like not much. They seem to all be within the same realm of everything you have is enough. Femininity is enough. And I'm like, I'm glad that you think that, but like... <laughs> You want to say something more about that? I don't know. She doesn't live up to that because she doesn't just write one and be, that's enough. Yeah, right? Like, <laughs> gosh. I don't know. I'm, it's just a pet peeve because, like, I don't get how so many people like her. Right, right, right. Because when I read it, I'm like, man, I know, like, too many people who can write better than this hmm. for me to be like, this is great. I wonder if it's digestibility. I think so, too. My partner told me that. He's like, mm-hmm. you know... Maybe it's just that it's, like, so accessible. Right. And it speaks to, like, everyday things that people deal with. Yeah. Like, sometimes you just need to hear that you're enough. Sometimes you just need to hear that your femininity is enough. Right, right. You know, and that's okay. I I accept that. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I wonder if people really feel like somebody who you don't know saying that to you is enough, ironically. Unfortunately, I think life coaches have taught us that that's good. (laughs) I think that means that it's working. I'm actually just pulling up some of her. Oh, cool. Yeah, because they sound more like fortune cookie. Yeah, like, Um, don't mistake salt for sugar. If he wants to be with you, he will. It's that simple. Yeah. I mean, it's very philosophical. It kind of reminds me of... I feel like philosophical is like a big word to describe it. You know? Like, yeah. I think it's like life lesson It's like a little... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's didactic for people who need to hear it. Right. Like, right. if I was in a situation where I had someone that I, I wanted to be with, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter that I'm a logical person who right. knows that that right right. it usually defies logic right usually you're beating yourself up i'm like you know better yeah but why right that's the kind of thing that you would say to your friend if they were in that situation right but if you're in that situation it doesn't matter that you know it right so in that case it's super helpful to read that Mm. and be like you know what that's right i don't need this (laughs) you know like i think it really helps to hear that from like a random source Mm, because that's kind of what you need at the moment yeah right? a slap in the face <laughs> you know like you just need those words to hit you yeah and you're like yeah. god this is so right but mm-hmm. i don't know man ruby car grinds my gears <laughs> not in a good way <laughs> not in a good way yeah <laughs> yeah mm, interesting i'm gonna have to 
split her up and be more. Yeah, we can and, talk about it more too. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Um, but before I let you know, I have to know where, if you're planning to be more, where people can hear you. Even. So I'm very new to Arizona. Like, it's just this is the end of my first year here. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So I actually don't know. I mean, I think I will try to read a Paul Abras bookstore. Yes. Yes. More often, because mm-hmm. I've been there, and I did it, and it was a great feel. Yeah, Good and there vibe. are all kinds of other events as well, because Palabras, as much as we love it, is only once a month, <laughs> so it's kind of difficult, you know, if you have things to say you want to Yeah, share. like, I've been writing. That whole event was just so motivating for me, because mm-hmm. it is the first time I read. Yeah. And yeah. so, especially since then, I've, like, been writing more, nice. and I just, I would love a platform where yeah, I can just yeah. read it out and... Yeah. Feel it out. Yeah, definitely. As you know, or I've told you, mm-hmm. <laughs> I try to tell everyone, <laughs> before each episode, I announce all the events taking place for the week after, because mm-hmm. we publish on Sunday. So you could definitely listen to it, and you'll find out what's yeah. going on. And there are weekly open mics throughout mm-hmm. the valley, but especially in Phoenix. So, you know, come and, and read. Absolutely. Plenty of spaces, and most of the people are very nurturing. Mm-hmm. The other thing is, how do people follow you? What social media do you use? As I said before, <laughs> I'm very protective of my writing, uh-huh. where, like, I have yet to just post it. Uh-huh. But I guess I wouldn't mind Instagram people. Because yeah. I do, like, I kind of announced that I was doing a podcast recording today. So I do oh, announce cool. that sort of thing right, right, right. on there yeah. when it happens. I think it's nice for people to, if they want to follow you, they like this podcast. It's, it's cool for yeah. them to just follow I mean, you and hit you up. Especially yeah, if I have a larger following for my writing, I would yeah. probably be more open yeah. to putting that out yeah. there. Cool. So, what is your handle then? Oh, my Instagram handle is Nosferitu, like Nosferatu, <laughs> but N O S F E R I T U. Okay. It's very Dracula, but yeah. Full disclosure, it's from a video game. Like, really? <laughs> yeah, there's a game called Fire Emblem where you use the spell to kind of suck the life force of someone oh. and take it to oh. heal yourself. And I'm like, oh. you know, I'm into that. <laughs> That sounds like every unhealthy relationship. I know. I am that unhealthy. No, I'm I'm sorry. I shouldn't even say that. (laughs) Cool. Thank you very much. I really appreciate you talking with me about your poem. Thank you. (laughs) I mean, I enjoyed my time here. Good, good. (laughs) Since my conversation with Ritu sent me down a Googling rabbit hole, I have lots of links to share with you in our episode notes, so be sure to check those out. As always, you can follow us on our website at poetsandmuses.com or via social media on SoundCloud, Instagram, as well as Twitter under Poets and Muses. You can also subscribe to our newsletter either at the bottom of poetsandmuses.com or on the upper right-hand side of the Poets and Muses SoundCloud page. I'm your host, Imogen A-Rate. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you have a wonderful week, and I look forward to bringing you another episode next Sunday.